is that we are creating the outcomes and we are selling the results. We're not selling our time. And so when you know this, you can start creating different kinds of energetic alignments for your money where it's going to line up and you're going to get to pay taxes instead of having to pay taxes. I don't view it as I have to pay my taxes. In fact, I don't. I could go to jail if I wanted to. I don't have to pay taxes. It's a choice. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Aspiring CMO podcast, where every week it is my privilege to sit down with successful content creators, entrepreneurs, and marketers to find out how they got where they are and learn the latest marketing strategies to grow our businesses, brands, and most importantly, ourselves. And today's guest is Nicole Sherry Huss, who became a millionaire in just 13 months and uh, grew her Facebook group from zero to 10,000 members just in the first six months, all organically. Uh, There's 3 billion people on Facebook alone, right? And so how many people do you actually need in your audience to make millions of dollars? Like not that many, right? We talked about forming kick-ass offers, building a strong fan base, the main differences between the entrepreneur and nine to five mindset. And I've also picked her brain on whether it is better to take a corporate route or a freelance life when you're in your twenties. I did not forget to ask her a lot about the meaning of money. At some point you're going to make enough money where it's not going to change your life today. Right? I mean, I made. $350,000 last month. So I made $33,000 yesterday. So it's like another $10,000 isn't going to change my life. Nico always encourages us to be unapologetically ourselves and left invaluable advice for people in their 20s and 30s who want to achieve their dreams. Stay tuned for the end of this episode so you can receive Nicole's gift only for ACMO listeners. So let's get started. I'm Nicole Cherie Hess. Um, I'm a seven-figure client attraction coach, and I have a podcast called Real Unicorns Don't Wear Pants. I met you uh, during the SEO uh, spring training in Arizona, and I was like blown away how awesome you are, uh, and yet you kept it extremely low-key, although your speech was amazing. And I just wanted to share with the audience how great you are and how awesome you are and how mind-blowing you are. I just want to give an intro to that, like... I met you and you gave me a badge and it was a QR code. And I was like, okay, um, this is an interesting way to introduce yourself. Then I scanned a QR code. And then the first thing I saw is that a bartender became a millionaire. Like, hi, I'm a millionaire who was a bartender. Like, could you, could you tell me uh, about how you started uh, from bartending to become a seven-figure business owner? Well, I started out like like a lot of bartenders do with big hopes and big dreams of getting out of the service industry pretty quickly, but that's not what happened for me. Um, I actually really loved bartending. I was really great at it. I was the, the president of the Bartenders Guild uh, for seven years, and I became a bar consultant at 24 and was working with million and billion dollar companies to scale their businesses and and get their revenue up, right? Um, And at some point in that bartending journey, I decided to stop drinking. And when I stopped drinking, everything in my life started to like magically change. And one of the things that changed very quickly was that I got fired. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) I got fired from both of the jobs that I was working at at the time. Um, and that's actually how this all happened is that I was fired and I didn't was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And so I fell into a Facebook funnel long before I knew what a Facebook funnel was. And I ended up buying a Facebook ads program that was going to teach you how to do Facebook ads. And I was like, well, maybe I can make some money doing this. 
And um, at the time, the investment was a lot for me. It was $3,000, which was money I definitely didn't have. I had to put it on multiple credit cards to be able to get into this program. And it turns out that I was really, really bad at Facebook ads. <laughs> I just wasn't good okay. at it. <laughs> um, but in the process of being bad at Facebook ads, what I learned was that I was really good at getting clients. And so the coach inside of that program pulled me aside and he said, hey, I'm seeing you kind of not be good at Facebook ads, but you're really good at getting clients. So how are you getting all these clients? And I showed him my process of what I was doing on social media in order to attract all of these different business owners to come and pay me $2,000 a month to run Facebook ads when I wasn't even good at it. <laughs> and he said, you've got to stop doing Facebook ads because you suck at it. And what you need to do is, is go open a coaching program um, for, for how to get clients. And I said, cool, what's, what's a coaching program? <laughs> Cause I had no idea at the time. Um, and so he kind of walked me through it. He opened the door for me. I built a Facebook group. And I sold a, a beta group of people in, I sold 20 people in to test this theory that I had about teaching entrepreneurs how to use energetically aligned social selling strategies to get more clients. One of those girls, she was a copywriter and she was 21 years old and she was working for an agency and only making like $1,200 a month. She came in and did my program. And in her fourth week, she closed three $3,500 clients. And 3,500. So, okay. Yeah. Wow. And straight up to 10 grand. Um, and so that's when I knew that I had something, I had something pretty special. And that's what I, when I started this whole program for real. That is, that is super crazy. I, I have so many questions on this story and just to backtrack, like when you got fired though, like a lot of people would just feel like a failure or they would just, you know, consider this as a setback. Um, you did mention that you, as a bartender, you wanted to get out from the service business, but I assume that this is not how you wanted to get out, you know? Like, how did you deal with that phase first? Like, oh my God, I got fired because I am, okay, I'm sober. That's, that's, that's very crazy. Well, I mean, it definitely was hard. Emotionally, it was very scary. Um, I have two kids. You know, it was obviously my only revenue source. And so to be fired like that was terrifying. And especially because I didn't really do anything to get fired. Um, and so for me, like now looking back, I can see what happened, right? Is like sometimes the door closes so that a different door can open. And so this was just my higher self stepping in and saying, hey, like you're not going to do this anymore. You need to go do this other thing. And so when I got fired, I, I know a lot of people would have freaked out, but I didn't. I got on a plane. <laughs> And I okay. went to Bali. I went to wow. Bali and I spent a couple of weeks in Bali and really just kind of created this shift and this change in my life where I decided that I was never again was I ever going to tell myself that I was worthless. And I had this incredible experience um, at one of the water temples in Bali and I just came back a whole new person, you know. And that is that is incredibly inspiring. Um and I don't know. It just, you're so courageous because all those steps, like, first of all, accepting that something awful happened despite you doing it. And then you could have took the courage to even like take the plane and go to the other side of the world to reconsider life. And I don't know. A lot, I know a lot of people and in your shoes, they would have just like kind of stayed in the same place and complain about the same thing. And, you know, years just pass by and um, it, it's incredible that you, you took that step too. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, a lot of, a lot of people will just, you know, keep doing the same things and expecting their life to change. And that's just not how it works. You, life doesn't actually change. Life is always the same. The only thing that changes is you. That, that's true. I recently lis- listened to one of your episodes too, from your podcast and, uh, I clicked on it, obviously, because the, the title was The Magic Pill. And, uh, <laughs> at the, and the, you know, in, in times of adversity like that, you would think like, oh, maybe just like a quick fix would change everything, like a new partner, a new house, a new whatever, or like a new job that is kind of the same that I used to do, but still the same. And um, for a generation like mine, like a Gen Z generation where, we consume info so fast. So basically everything is like laid out to us really quickly. Um, Like what would you, what would be an advice from you to not take the magic pill or like the quick fixes or like the quick solutions and kind of do the Bali trip in your head without going to Bali, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, it's understanding that if you take surface level actions, you're going to get surface level results. There's, there's just no other way to do it, right? You get out of it what you put into it. And so if you want a big life-changing experience, that's going to require, you know, a decent amount of transformation. And so, you know, you might be tempted to just like cut your hair, (laughs) right? Um, But like, usually like cutting bangs is not going to make you into a completely different person. If you want to become the next version of yourself, it's really about changing the way you think and feel about you. And one of the fastest ways to do that and doing the, the trip to Bali in your head is actually to change the questions that you ask yourself, um, you know, what, a lot of what other questions, a lot yeah. of people have this repetitive thing that happens in their head where they just ask themselves the same question every day. Um, for me, for a long time, like while I was in a lot of depression and anxiety and like just kind of in a tough spot in my life, I was always asking myself, what's the point? So in asking that question, there's no way that I was going to get a productive answer, right? Like there was only going to be a painful answer. And so I kept asking myself a painful question that would lead to a painful answer, which would of course cause emotional pain. And then I would take actions in alignment with pain and create results that were pain-driven results, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I learned to ask myself a different question, something magic happened. I got a different answer. I see. And are those questions like uh, that differs between situations or is it towards like a more positive outlook of, of life? that would maybe uh, cause a positive response? Well, I don't really subscribe to positivity. This isn't something that- Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I practice more in the Stoics. Um, so really relating to the concept of neutrality. Every decision that you make in your life is going to serve in one way and limit in another. Um, every thought you think is going to serve in one way and limit in another. Every question you ask will serve in one way and limit in another. Right. So it's allowing yourself to be in the frequency of neutrality, of seeing the serve and limit that allows you to become an energetic match for money because money is inherently neutral. Money in the hands of good people does good things. Um, you know, money in the hands of not so good people does not so good things. Right. That, that's that's very powerful for two. And I remember our conversation at the a conference where we met, like you asked me this really powerful question like are you scared to make more money and I, I was literally thinking like yeah I although I never thought about it but now that you ask is 
I don't really understand money. As a result, I, I don't know whether I want to make more or just keep the same. And uh, I mean, that's one of the core principles of your training as well, right? Is to help women or entrepreneurs understand the, the value of their work and money, right? In my world, we refer to this as ROI articulation, right? So we're looking at the return on investment um, and really helping people to position their offers based on how it impacts people's lives instead of trying to position your offer based on what you think the market will bear or what your competitors are doing or most frequently as much as you feel like you're worthy of charging. Um, that pricing actually doesn't help you to make more sales. It's understanding how money functions for the person who's investing, not necessarily for you. Because remember, when people are buying your offers, they're not actually buying something from you. They're investing in themselves. And so when you can learn how to articulate that in your marketing, people invest with ease because they understand the associated value of the money that they're investing to get the results that they desire. Uh, by the way, Guys, uh, Nicole had done an incredible speech at the SEO Spring Training in Arizona in 2023. And uh, one of your powerful statements was that people don't buy your product, they buy results. And and that's like one of the concepts that even like in school, I didn't, I wasn't taught that. It, it's weird to say, like I went to school for this and nobody ever freaking said this to me. That's because yeah. none of the people that taught you things in school were making any money because they were teachers. One of the best ways to explain this is with the lawnmower example. Okay. So when you go to the store and you buy a lawnmower, okay, now you're thinking to yourself, like I'm buying a lawnmower. That's what I'm going to buy. Right. But really you're not buying a lawnmower. You're buying how you feel looking at your house with perfectly cut grass. Okay. Nice. And that yeah. usually for most people, it doesn't stop there. You're buying how you feel looking at your, at your house with perfectly cut grass in relation to that. It's better than your neighbors. So most people are buying a lawnmower to be better than their neighbors. So what you're really selling when you're selling a lawnmower is status. You're not selling a, a machine that cuts grass. You're selling status. Oh my God. Okay, guys. So this is a summary of how you can turn a lawnmower into a better status in life. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. It's amazing. And uh, tell me more about your, your uh, Facebook group and your social media. Like how, once you got out of the Facebook ad course, how did yeah. you, how did you grow such an amazing audience, which I am part of now? And uh, how did you make them love you so much? I mean, I mean, I know the answer, but just tell the audience. <laughs> well, I mean, at the core level, building out any audience, whether it's a Facebook group or a TikTok or Instagram, doesn't matter. Any social media platform that you're using, it's all about knowing that your true self attracts your true believer. And a lot of people build audiences trying to be what they think the audience wants them to be. And this is a massive mistake because it's what makes you really boring. You are very boring okay. when you're doing that. And so what we want to be able to do is really be our true selves unapologetically. And then you're going to attract people that love that. And you're going to repel people that don't love that. I've had so many haters, you know, but the haters are what position all of your marketing so that you have people that absolutely love you. And that's what creates that raving fan environment. Wow. And how long did it take you to grow such a big audience? Was it the 13 months? 
Um, I grew the Facebook group. The Facebook group now has 21, just over 21,000 people in it. My total audience with my email list and all the other platforms is just over a hundred thousand. Um, wow. but I grew the Facebook group to 10,000 people in the first six months. In the first six months. Okay. Wow. Um, and the, to get more down into the micro steps, like if somebody was looking into uh, changing their way of growing an audience, like what are the tips or like what are the mistakes that you want to highlight when, when growing this? Other than, you know, like keeping your authentic self is, is it differs to many people. Uh, a lot of people for in the SEO industry, for example, they are so shy. And if they were just their authentic selves, they would be just like robots and typing maybe numbers <laughs> and that's exactly what they should do so that they can attract other people who are shy and wanting to be robots right like instead of trying to be something that you're not it's just really just owning who you are because there if you're not the only person in the world that's like that right there's three billion right. people on the on, there's three billion people on Facebook alone right and so how many people do you actually need in your audience to make millions of dollars? Like not that many, right? So mm -hmm. it's understanding that you get to create whoever you are. You don't have to create a persona to go with this. Um, that's really going to help this. One of the things that I feel like people make a big mistake with when they're building Facebook groups is that they're just trying to get as many people into the Facebook group as possible instead of focusing on monetization. When you build an audience, you should always have in mind like, hey, how am I building a space where people can buy, where people can invest, where people are going to feel really good about doing that? A lot of times people just build it trying to get vanity metrics, trying to go viral, right? But the truth is having 10,000 people watch your TikTok video doesn't matter if nobody buys anything, right? 100%, so it's putting, yeah. it's putting the monetization first and understanding how to position your offer to match your audience instead of trying to build a giant audience and then figure out an offer to sell to them. Okay, so you would want to spend a good amount of time uh, building up your kick-ass offer and then grow an audience. Cause that, right, is that? Well, what it's I not hear? really about time, right? You don't have to spend a lot of time building up your offer. It's you have to understand how market positioning works. If you mm -hmm. want to have a really well-developed audience and you want to be able to make a lot of money from that audience, then you need a well-positioned offer that focuses on driving to a result that positions against an old methodology and uses your signature methodology to help those people to get what they desire. You got to sell what they want, not what they need. A lot of times people really mistake the two, like what they need versus what they want. And uh, yeah, I, I see a lot of people struggling with that. Uh, like, hey, I think you need this thing, therefore buy from me. And then obviously that repels a lot of people immediately. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah I and, see this uh, all the time is that people try and sell what people need and then they're surprised when nobody will buy it. But people mm -hmm. don't ever buy what they need. They only buy what they desire. I see, yeah, yeah. And uh, okay. Oh, yes. Uh, I remember this one when we were talking about uh, in the conference. So if you were 20, I don't know, 24, 22 again, and you were trying to build this massive business, what would be the number one thing that they should do the, or you would do? I would get more life experience. I think that okay. the biggest mistake that young entrepreneurs make 
um, is that they are so focused on the tech or the audience or building out the funnels and doing everything they're supposed to do that they aren't actually getting the life experience that they need in order to help the people that they want to serve. They haven't made enough mistakes. Um, one of the things that makes me a really great coach at 38 years old is that I have made a lot of mistakes in my life. And, and that really hyper qualifies me to help a lot of different people because I've created solutions for those mistakes. And so when you're first getting started and you're really young in the game, you're usually pretty scared that you're going to make a mistake. And that actually stops you from being able to serve more clients. Your willingness to make mistakes is what qualifies you to help other people. So that's what all of the newbies, all the young people out there that are just getting started, don't be afraid to make mistakes. That's what makes you qualified to help other people. I love that. I love that. Um, when it, when you refer to life experiences though, like, is it specifically work experience? So let's say I want to be, um, a tech entrepreneur, tech entrepreneur or, uh, a digital marketing entrepreneur. Does it mean that I should put myself in a position where I, I work a lot in those fields and I build things or like, should I go to a company where they kind of like lay out the experience for me? What do you, what do you think about that? Like, whether taking the corporate route versus just do things on your own, be alone <laughs> and kind of figure it out because that's well, a way of experiencing in my eyes. The corporate route is going to take you longer. It's always going to be slower, right? Um, it's going to be slower because you're going to be following a set of steps and procedures that's laid out for you ahead of time. And that's going to give you some good experience, right? Um, to be in that space. And I'm not saying don't do corporate stuff. I think it's great. But the thing about that is that you're limiting yourself from making mistakes because you're following a company handbook, right? right. So okay. maybe you can do the thing where you do corporate so you can pay all your bills. But on the side, you can be building a freelance business where you have a little bit more liberal liberation to make mistakes and to get your hands a little bit messy because there is no one telling you what you can and can't do right so mm -hmm. it's always going to be both things you know you don't need to limit yourself um it's okay to do corporate and do freelance at the same time I, I love that honestly I remember when I had a uh, I had a very normal office job my my job was to copy paste and I got really fast at it. I was very proud of that. But after, after a while, you know, I was like, huh, I want to learn what is it like to do the graphic design. Um, there's no way on planet earth that that workplace would have ever given me an opportunity like that. And um, slowly I realized that rather than waiting for opportunity, it is better to create it, whether it's small or big. And uh but again, because of the money and the whole status thing had got into my head and I think a lot of people's head, that's when they think like, oh, should I take like a higher salary rather than just like get my hand messy with like smaller projects here and there, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's better to, it's better to get your hands dirty so that you can, you can learn things a little bit faster. Right. That's true. And I remember you mentioned um, very important life skills that, 20 somethings should learn and unfortunately we don't get that in school and uh, could you could you tell us uh what are those life skills in your, um, in your opinion I mean I think that the first thing that anybody should be learning and I wish that we learned it sooner but is to truly learn how to feel your feelings and be able to soothe those feelings without using distractions without using um you know booze or uh, a guy to to 
quell that for you. It's being able to self-soothe and emotionally regulate. Um, if you are the kind of person that can emotionally regulate out of any situation, you're going to be able to make mistakes. You're going to be able to put yourself into uncomfortable situations. And in order to be a really successful entrepreneur, you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And so that means being able to soothe your feelings, but not by avoiding them and not by stuffing them down deep and never talking about them again. It's really allowing yourself to feel, to really experience emotion, because that's the whole point of life anyways, right? So if you allow yourself to have really big feelings, but you also have the ability to regulate that emotion and allow those feelings to flow through you, you're going to create more fulfillment in your life. And success is just a symptom of that fulfillment. So a big thing that you can do in your 20s is really practicing feeling your feelings, right? And knowing that it's not just the good feelings, it's all of the feelings that allows you to increase your capacity for emotion. Ultimately, emotion is what makes you attractive. It's what makes people want to get to know you is your capacity to feel. Uh, I like your statement when success is kind of just a byproduct of you, you being authentic, you're feeling your feelings and, and making great decisions as a result of that. And uh, one of the things you said in that arcade where we were at the conference um, is that you really explained to me what is it like to have a, a real goal and mission and vision to what you do. Because um, I think if, if anybody who is working hard, they will get money anyways, like money comes if you do work, right? Um, but once you get to a level of like, okay, I'm comfortable with this amount of money. Now, what do I do with the rest? And you explained it really uh, impactfully and inspiring way for me. Uh, could you could you elaborate to us on that one? Yeah, I mean, at some point you're going to make enough money where it's not going to change your life today, right? I mean, I made $350,000 last month. So another, oh 10, I, I made $33,000 yesterday. So it's like another $10,000 isn't going to change my life. Like I already have the house I want. I already have the car I want. I already still wear my old ratty t-shirts because I love them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's like, you can only buy so many things. So at some point the money just doesn't matter anymore. Right. And it's like understanding that you actually don't try and make money to make money at once you actually make it, like the only reason that I'm making money is because I want to help people to change their lives. And I know that when they buy them, my program, they're choosing to invest in themselves. And yes, I receive that money, but I get to pay an amazing team. Um, and I get to overpay my amazing team. I get to donate to the charities I want to donate. I get to travel. I get to support my children and my family, but also I get to create lasting impact. Right. And when you focus on the impact that you desire, the income is just a byproduct of that. It just happens naturally because of the impact that you're focusing on and that you're creating in the world. And so it's finding that thing that means something to you after you have everything that you want. So if you put it in your head right now, today, and imagine that you have everything that you want, why would you still want to show up in life? That's what you get to focus on. And if you focus on that from the start, you will get to that space so much faster. Because one of the things that uh, you told me that is that a lot of people are not getting ed educated on money though. So what are your opinions on that? I think that understanding financial literacy and really getting to the point of understanding the difference between entrepreneurial financial liter literacy and nine to five 
financial literacy because they're two different things. And so if you're trying to apply your nine to five mindset to the entrepreneurial world, you're going to struggle with that because it's just not how it works, right? Because in entrepreneur land, we don't trade time for money. That's not how it works is that we are creating the outcomes and we are selling the results. We're not selling our time. And so when you know this, you can start creating different kinds of energetic alignments for your money where it's going to line up and you're going to get to pay taxes instead of having to pay taxes. I don't view it as I have to pay my taxes. In fact, I don't. I could go to jail if I wanted to. I don't have to pay taxes. It's a choice, right? And so getting into that energetic alignment piece of understanding I get to, I get to pay my bills. I get to pay my taxes. I get to invest in my team is the entrepreneurial way of thinking. And also being able to put that first of understanding that money is very important. Money is what allows everything to connect. And so if you don't have that kind of mindset going into your business and you're always just trying to cut corners or make it cheaper, like you're going to get nine to five kind of level of money back out from that. Like there's no other way to do it. So it's shifting the mindset to results instead of trading time for money. And uh, so in a nine to five mindset, is it just trading time for money or is there other type of factors that that adds to kind of like a nine to five mindset? Because uh, somebody who is just nine to five, they might not recognize that the way they think could be very, very different. Yeah, I mean, yeah. one of the other things is earning your weekend, right? So earning your, uh-huh. in nine to five land, like we're taught, like you come to work on Monday, right? And you work all week long, really, really hard. And then we're going to give you a paycheck on Friday and then you're going to get two days off. Okay, so you are earning your weekend so that you deserve your weekend based on how hard you worked during the week, right? That's not how that works in entrepreneurial land. In entrepreneurial land, you get to put yourself first because I know that I'm the main profit lever in my business. And so if I don't feel good, if I'm not getting enough good sleep, if I'm not eating well, if I'm not going outside and enjoying my life, then the emails that I write are going to be dead inside kind of emails. And so they're not going to make good money, right? Like, because people are going to feel that energy. And so it's learning that I don't earn a weekend because weekends don't exist in entrepreneur land, right? Is that I get to create my own schedule. I get to make money in the way that feels good to me. So if I want to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and write five emails and be done by 6am and then not work all day, I can do that. I can do whatever I want because I don't have to earn a weekend because I know that the reason why I make money is because of my own energy. So I get to put myself first. So one of the things you can do in nine to five, if you want to start making this transition is just start thinking of Saturday as the first day of the week instead of Monday. Saturday is the first day of week and you get to put yourself first on Saturday. Sunday is second. That's when you put your family, you put your family first on Sunday. And then Monday, that's the first day of your work week. So it actually comes third. Work doesn't come first. You come first, your family comes second and work comes third. If you can start thinking like that, that's going to move you into entrepreneurial mindset. I really, really love that. Oh my God. Uh, Especially like we are living in this uh, hype era of self-care, right? And people make a lot of BS out of it. Like, oh, you need to take like this type of bath, drink this type of water, do that kind of thing. But just like simply put in your mindset, like, hey, I'm, this is for me. And because I'm feeling good as a, as a result, my output is going to be great. Mm-hmm. Wow. Awesome. Um, a lot of people though, uh, when they say, 
when they think of entrepreneurship and they think of, oh, I can do whatever I want and there is no boss. Uh, a lot of people I see that they kind of slack off or they might not create that type of routine that would put themselves where what, what do you think about that? Like the term, I do what I want could be very misleading sometimes to beginners. I think, I think that most people don't know what they want. So they're mm-hmm. gonna say, I get to do what I want. And it's like, okay, awesome. What is it that you want? And most people can't answer that question. So until you can really answer, what do you want and how do you wanna feel when you have it? You're gonna really struggle through uh, not having a boss, not having boundaries set up where you have to be somewhere at 9 a.m. But once you get very clear on what you desire and how you wanna feel, then you're gonna be intrinsically motivated to take action. Instead of having to do it, you're gonna to get to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, in, so also I would elaborate like in a nine to five world, you are kind of extrinsically motivated. Whereas in an entrepreneur land, everything comes from within. Like this is an intrinsic motivation to work, to put the family first and etc. and pay your team. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's internal motivation that gets you there. Amazing. And okay, last question. Um, If somebody was an extreme uh, ADHD Gen Z who would not listen to a 30-minute conversation for some reason, what is that one thing that you want people to take away from uh, this podcast? You get to choose your experience. And so if you choose that you have no attention span, you're right. If you choose that you can't listen to a 30-minute conversation because you have ADD, you're right. If you want to choose to become a multimillionaire, you can be right doing that too. We all have the same power of thought. And so if you only take away one thing from this today, it's understanding that every single thought that comes into your head is a choice that you are consciously making. So choose your thoughts wisely because your thoughts produce your feelings and your feelings inspire your actions. Your actions become your habits and your habits generate your results. Amazing. I I love that. I'm going to quote this on social, for sure. Thank you so much, Nicole, for uh, joining my podcast it's been an honor um when I when you said uh yes I literally I was jumping around uh I was a maniac (laughs) (laughs) but I really appreciate everything uh that you put into this world and also like impacting small creators like me um last last thing if somebody would like like to reach out to you or your company and check out your website or Facebook group how can they reach you You guys can join the Facebook group. It's called Unicorn Client Attraction Secrets for High Vibe Wonder Women. And in my world, Wonder Woman is a mindset, not a gender bias. So all are welcome. Um, And in addition, I have a nice little free gift for your audience today. Um, So if you guys go to www.nonstopnotifications.com, you will receive access to my 100 wonderful ways to get more and better clients, which will help you get started in the client attraction journey. Amazing. Um, always, I am going to link everything down in the show notes and uh, possibly on my website too. Thank you so much, Nicole, for joining the podcast. And I hope you have an amazing day. Thanks for having me. Okay.